This is the Workin' With series, presented by your host, Hayley Sudbury. Listen in each month to find out who we're working with. Hayley sits down with some of the world's most exciting leaders and entrepreneurs to chat about the companies they love, their definition of success, and the real secret behind it all, their superpower. So I'm here today at the Mare Street Market on air, and I'm joined by my very dear friend, Andrea Pfeffer from Pfeffersal, who I thought would be the perfect person to bring into a studio on a Friday afternoon, margarita in hand, to talk entrepreneurship, health, well-being, beauty, and just the general journey, which is life as a new mum. So Andrea, welcome. Thank you. So uh, we have a, you know, a standard list of questions we usually run through, but I think today we'll kind of just play it by ear and, and see how we go. But why don't you tell everyone first a little bit about Pfeffersal and why you opened it? Well, Pfeffersal is an advanced skin clinic. I had a previous business for about eight years in fashion, in overall marketing, but specifically PR and wholesale. And there'd been sort of... Uh, a lot of changes in the industry, which I think a lot of people are very aware of. And I had become tired and actually a little bit unhappy. And it was quite a self-realisation to be in a position where I'd worked so hard and was really unsatisfied, actually. So I wanted to do something that not only made myself feel good and proud, but also made other people feel good. I'd always been very interested in wellness as a general term and done a lot of sport and been into grooming and uh, mental fitness. So I kind of, along with a big trend that was happening at the time, I think, we were sort of in a way followed the tide over to that direction. I'd always been very passionate about skin health and decided to opened my eyes to that industry a little bit more, which involved going around and experiencing lots of different types of treatments. Um, I sort of took it on as a bit of a part-time hobby, actually. And then through that journey, I had a lot of disappointing experiences for myself. And I felt that the exposure that I had wasn't what I wanted to experience as a client. So I felt one of the last actual experiences I had that kind of was the, the clincher of like, I'm going to do my own thing here, um, was I, I visited a, a very well-renowned clinic and they do both uh, facial and body treatments, aesthetic and cosmetic. And I had a consultation. The consultant who saw me, I just went in, booked in actually initially for one treatment, wanted to sell me a package. It was about £2,000 worth. I said, no, look, I just want to try this one treatment, I've which I at the time had never had before. And during the consultation, she said it became quite visually frustrated, I could see, um, and virtually tutting in front of me that I wouldn't part with like two, two and a half K. I can't remember how much it was. And then after she sort of obviously had clicked in her mind that I wasn't going to part with the money, then turned around to me and followed up with a question to say, okay, so let's talk about your body issues. <laughs> of which case I was like, wow, wow. I just, I just, I mean, I mean, I, I actually responded with, I don't have any body issues, but thank you. Like, <laughs> But for me, I was like, wow, you know, the beauty industry has the most amazing power to make you feel so incredible about yourself, yet... In a lot of 
spaces, it seems to target a lot of insecurities that people have. And I really wanted to turn that on its head. And I thought there's it's such a perfect time to celebrate the uniqueness that we all have and to offer a, a business or, or a service or, or something that has the power to do that and that people feel really proud to be engaged in and they walk out and they feel good and they can kind of adopt knowledge or information that they're receiving into other parts of their routine or life. So that's where it kind of came from. And then... It morphed into a clinic. Initially, we just opened a single uh, room clinic in Fitzrovia, where we're still based, actually. We moved location, but still in Fitzrovia, and just wanted to see if I was correct in my assumption that, hey, this is a cool thing and I want to be part of it, so surely some other people do too. And that was proven. So then we, about 18 months ago now, uh, we moved to a bigger premises and opened after much renovation and painting walls at one o'clock in the morning and all that sort of stuff, which many people do, I'm sure. Yeah, we opened and we've just kind of been growing and growing and growing ever since. So our primary objective is skin health through education, advice and support. And that's that's probably the key heart and soul of what the business is about. So, I mean, I can attest to this because I've actually been for one of the famous facials by one of your fabulous uh, therapists there and and I'm not one usually to even go and get that stuff done but as I uh, have been hitting it pretty hard in, in life, just I think building, building businesses and running around, I thought it, it was time to do something so I can highly recommend the facials. But, Andrea, it'd be great for you to share with everyone what's different about what you do and, and what you offer. So... There's a few things. One is we try and pass a huge amount of information onto the clients. So often when people go to advanced clinics, they use a lot of complicated language, which makes you generally just feel confused as to what's going on and also makes you a little bit in- intimidated often to ask questions. So the idea is we give you the information to make informed choices about what you want and what you want to have done and what your kind of goals are. Another significant difference is, is none of my team work on commission. I think as far as I know, we're probably the only clinic that don't operate that way. I don't want a team of salespeople. I want people making genuine recommendations on how you can improve your skin health without feeling that pressure. We all feel when we're being sold to. It's not a great experience. So that is definitely a very unique aspect of the business. And we also, there's two things. Obviously, we approach skin from the inside out. That's become quite a tagline with many people doing that now. I feel we perhaps take it another step. And even in terms of the design of the clinic, we've tried to implement the integrity of that concept throughout. So we have a Canadian-designed air filtration system through the whole property uh, that's actually NASA-approved that removes airborne viruses and particulate matter. So you're breathing fantastic air quality. Whilst you're in the clinic, we have uh, copper fittings throughout the clinic, which is antimicrobial. All the little touches throughout the whole space, even though we might not shout about them, actually hopefully demonstrate the heart and soul and the integrity of really believing in what we're saying. We also celebrate the best of science and the best of nature. So we don't embrace purely natural-based products for all of our treatments. Natural-based products have amazing things to offer in terms of very significant advanced results and particularly with uh, skin issues that have that are a little bit more challenging you do need to rely heavily upon science and not everything in science is bad 
So we try and fuse the two and we make very conscious decisions about specifically which products from each camp we sort of implement into the clinic. And I guess one other element that differentiates us is we don't buy into or subscribe to any one singular product line. So we don't have facials that are by X, Y, and Z, or we literally have taken the time and the patience to research, gosh, like I can't even tell you the hours, all across the globe to find what I believe are the best category offerings and professional and retail and use those to create pretty awesome treatments, I think. And they are absolutely awesome. (laughs) Absolutely. So I know that there's been a lot of work that's gone into to building the business. How has it been now with a, a new baby? <sighs> it's very different. <laughs> <laughs> Words chosen so carefully. Yeah. Um, it's a challenge because your business is your baby and your baby is your baby. And I continually struggle with the feeling that I'm not giving it enough attention to either. So that's challenging. It definitely teaches you to be much more efficient with your time. So your really your to-do list and your focus in every day has to be results-driven and it has to be very focused, very productive because there literally is not enough hours in the day. But then at the same time, like I think a lot of entrepreneurs can wrap, get their heads so immersed and almost obsessed with their business that it's very difficult to remove your head. And, you know, when you go on holiday and you're like, oh, I've got such good perspective, I'm so chilled. You come back to work and everyone's running around like Heather's chooks and you're like, why is everyone so stressed? It's fine. Like you just need to get under control, guys. You know, three weeks later you're exactly the same. But I think having a baby like sort of or another little person that actually is your focus enables your headspace. You just sort of take your brain out of your head in a way and kind of put it on the shelf and go, okay, that's my work brain. That's up there on the shelf. Now I just need to focus on this other person. So it almost forces you to have a better work-life balance and a better kind of puts things in perspective, I guess. So do you feel like you have the most perspective when you're in Ibiza? (laughs) You know I do. (laughs) I think uh, all entrepreneurs would recommend a small stint in Ibiza. once a year just to recalibrate yeah. to the universe. <laughs> yes, you should You should organise it. Well, I, it's, it's the next thing on my list, Andrea. I mean, I'm, that's really a key key priority for me. Brilliant. So what, what didn't you know when you started out and how do you think you'd do things differently now? And I think that's probably as an entrepreneur and as someone who was also going into parenthood for the first time. I don't think, I think with the parenthood side, I think, I think every experience is different. And from what I can understand, I think every child is different. I even think from child one to two, and I might be wrong, but I just, I think you can never be prepared for this little personality that's going to come into your life. Cause there might be an easy baby. It might be a tricky baby. It might be a baby that sleeps all the time. Maybe a baby that wakes all the time. Like you just, I just, yeah, I, I, I don't know if you can ever be prepared, but on the, in a general speaking terms, what would I do differently? I think I would be a little less naive and, trust my gut. The intuitive aspect of running your own business is so important because you don't have time to sit there and think about something to make a decision for two weeks, right? So you have to make, continually make decisions on the fly. And so your your sort of gut intelligence is absolutely vital to succeed. Whether it's right or wrong, at least you're moving forward and making a decision, right? So I think all of us need to, well, 
not all of us, but for, for me, I, I needed to listen to my gut more. And when I knew something wasn't right, I needed to follow that rather than kind of sit back in denial and think, oh, no, it's fine. It'll sort itself out. I'll just be chilled. It'll be cool. No, it's not going to be cool. <laughs> it's going to be worse if you don't deal with it now. But I think especially in terms of, for example, if, you, if you're bringing people in and you're like, mm, I don't think that that's quite right. My gut's telling me something's not quite right. You have to follow that. Like I think it's not about sort of throwing people under the bus or getting rid of people, but you have to follow your instincts when you're feeling that things are, are not working. It could be personnel. It could be a procedure. It could just be even a dynamic that either personnel or procedures have created in the workplace. But I think yeah, acting upon your gut instinct much more, being much more proactive with that would probably be the biggest thing that I wish I'd known earlier. And I still learn every day on that one. It's ongoing. Yeah. <laughs> so what's uh, what's been the biggest challenge so far that you'd um, like to share publicly? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the biggest challenge I think with any business is a fusion of adhering to your own values and principles and your own vision and listening to and adapting to the values and vision and the thoughts of those around you. You need to, wherever possible, always bring in people that are better at things than you are. You can't be the best at everything. You need to have people that are much better at you at many things. And I think trying to keep a very clear path on what where your vision, where you're going and not sort of being derailed, but at the same time adapting and flowing to movement on that when somebody can actually come up with a much better suggestion or a much better approach than what you perhaps had envisaged. <laughs> you're living through it. Oh, I am day to day. It will get better, I promise, <laughs> until the next challenge. It is. It's, well, it's addictive, isn't it? It is. Yeah, I think that's the thing about running your own business. Whether you fail or whether you succeed, the whole point is it's your it's the biggest journey is about yourself. I agree. So what what keeps you balanced? I mean, you're a wellness expert. Well, wellness is a big word. I think wellness means a lot of different things to a lot of different people. What does it mean to you? Hmm. Wellness means a balance. Extreme wellness, i.e. 10 hours sleep every night, yoga every morning, 20 minutes, mindfulness, meditation, morning and night, noting down my feelings and emotions in my book on the side of the bed, never having a glass of wine, et cetera, et cetera, right? That's never going to happen. No. That's not wellness to me. That is stress. So, but for some people that kind of discipline provides them with a sanctuary and a security that they feel really good within. Wellness to me is, is equally about participation and pampering. I think that Wellness to a lot of people is about participation. It's about setting very stressful, almost goals and objectives. They have to practice yoga four times a week. They have to do this. They have to do that. I think a huge part of wellness, so let's just take London, for example. I think a huge amount of people in London have got massive amount of participation down pat, right? We participate in everything, whether it's like a brainstorming session, whether it's an extra two hours at work, whether it's a crazy commute, we know how to participate. That's not the problem. We don't know how to be pampered. And that's where I feel that there's a huge gap psychologically and physically being pampered. And pampering that you receive from someone else so it could be a treatment but pampering you also give yourself at home now I'm not saying you should have a 45 minute bath I don't even have time for a 45 minute bath right but 
I did like a post on my Instagram recently and I did like, these are the seven products. I didn't even know I used seven products, but these are the seven products I use in my night routine. And I was like, I just posted them all on Instagram, like steps. And then I was like, oh, that's quite high maintenance, isn't it? And I was like, oh, I'm going to time, I'm going to do the routine now. I'm going to time myself. And I timed it and it was like two minutes, 36. And I was like, yes, that is an awesome routine, right? I'm like, that's some pampering that takes two minutes, 36. That's a realistic thing for most people in London. So wellness to me is like a two minute 36 routine or spending the time to have an hour massage when I can or, yeah, managing to go to the gym for my two or three workouts a week and just sort of dedicating that specific time. Two minutes 36. That's pretty good, right? I think it's great. I'm I'm more of a like a one product wonder type girl (laughs) uh, as I approach the next milestone. Not for long, Hayley, not for long. I know. <laughs> that big milestone birthday is coming soon. I'll be coming into the salon, I think. <laughs> <laughs> I'll load you up, don't worry. Thank you. Because I really don't know what to do, actually. I'm not very good in A that. lot of people don't, though. Okay. Yeah. Even I'm learning all the time. I think this is the thing. In the industry in general, there is so much product out there. There's so much information and you have uh, fantastic brands that come onto the market and they're launching these amazing singular-based products. And there's very little information on whether that's right or wrong for your skin. And a lot of people are coming into us and they're like, yeah, I'm on this Korean 12-step. It's amazing. And we're like, wow, it's really messing with your skin. This is not good for you. (laughs) But there's not the information for you to be able to know whether that's the right thing or wrong thing for you. So part of what we're trying to do is to impart the information so that people can make informed, educated choices for themselves. There's no point going, oh, this is the brand for like skincare junkies. And it's like, okay, well, that's great. But where are they getting their information from? You know, anyway. Wow. I'm I'm feeling overwhelmed just thinking about all the products I could potentially be using (laughs) and knowing nothing about them. But I'm glad I've got you as my guide. So as a, you know, you're a female-led and owned business, What do you think governments and communities could do better to support female-owned businesses? I have been very fortunate in that I haven't really experienced much discrimination in the workforce, gender discrimination, and I've always maybe deliberately, I don't know, but I've tended to always place myself in quite female-orientated industries. From my experience of being a mum, what I would love is much greater financial incentives for businesses to set up childcare and support, um, whether that's for dads or for mums. I think you, you, you're you going to win on many levels. The business is going to win because you're going to have happy parents with happy, happy children and obviously their productivity and their workflow is going to be more creative and more energised. And then I think the public, the society, which should be in the government's best interest wins because you're opening up your opportunity to employ a greater talent of a greater pool of people because you're able to offer that support and infrastructure to a wider number. Uh, I think it's very difficult for people with children to facilitate adequate childcare, high quality childcare, uh, which I think we're all becoming more and more focused upon and maintain careers, cost of living's increasing, and there's not a lot in the middle there to help anyone. I agree. Look, I think that's fantastic. We need to make people's lives easier, particularly yeah. people who are generating jobs and yep. good things for the world. Yeah. So what? Um, what? what's your superpower? Honestly, I think it's tenacity. When I think about it, I'm like this person that's like crossing a desert 
And even though I potentially sometimes should give up, <laughs> I'm like, no, I'm going to keep going. Uh, yeah, I keep going. I think that's my thing. I literally will keep going. Sometimes I should probably give up. Keep on trucking. Yeah. <laughs> so who is it that's championed you along the way? Oh, my mum. <laughs> it's, yeah, it definitely. My mum. And you have to have that person that kind of just believes. And, and to be fair, she's not shy of telling me if I'm doing something a bit stupid either or when she thinks it's the wrong decision. But, yes, definitely amazing support. Fantastic. Mums do play a very important, supportive mm. role in our lives. Yes. I think we've discussed our mothers might be a bit similar in some respects. For <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> a few wines. <laughs> so who do you pick up the phone to when things get tough? Do you know what? It's, again, it's, it's family and best friends. There's probably about four people because trust is a big thing, right? And I think... It's very important to have your inner circle on who you can talk to and confide in and people that also don't place a lot of judgment. I think you need to always have flexibility and freedom within that space to, to work through a situation or a problem, to change your mind, to change your opinion. You don't, you don't need somebody who's going to be like, oh, no, but you said this. And it's like, well, half of the, the, the conversation that you need I think when things get tough is you actually just need, it's like a puzzle. You need to kind of, you're exploring all the other options and you're asking for somebody to say, oh, hang on, but what about this? And what about that? So I think, yeah, for me, well, for me, it's, it's family and, and best friends. So what advice would you give to entrepreneurs that have crazy lifestyles as well? What's one small thing they could do to maybe embrace wellness and I'm, I'm not necessarily talking about the two minute 36 routine because mm. I'm not even sure I'm ready for seven products this week. Honestly, well, I'm going to tell you from a skin health perspective. Of course. Every night you need to wash your face with a cleanser. The best way to think about it is you're going to bed with London on your face. That is literally it. You have to wash your face. There's been so many times I've gone to bed with London on my face. See, would you go sleep in a gutter? It's no. disgusting. Right? That's number one. And number two is change your pillowcase at least once a week. They're the two. And I think, oh, my God, your face is going to be so happy. And should I be definitely using a moisturiser after I cleanse as well? Yes. Okay, so another step, but that's okay. Yes. I think we can probably do that. You've got to work out what you're going to be comfortable with. I mean, the thing is, is that it, once you start seeing results, it's like going to the gym. Once you start seeing the results, you're like, oh, I'm really into this. What else can I do? So, you know, but gently, gently, but as basic things, cleanse your face, change your pillowcase. I love it. You heard it here first. The thing that can make the <laughs> most difference to your life is wash London off your face <laughs> yeah. before you go to bed tonight. <laughs> Inspiring stuff. <laughs> So what, what does success look like for you in, uh, you know, when we're having this margarita in five years' time? Mm, yes, I need to have some of this. Having a business that I and my team are really proud to work for. Like, and I know if that's the case, our clients and everyone who comes to us will be happy. You know, if you can create a culture and a service that they're so proud to be part of, you know that they're seeing results, that their clients are happy. I mean, I think everything else literally falls into place. I think that's the absolute fundamental for me. Well, Andrea, it has been an absolute pleasure. I look forward to many more margaritas with you, hearing about your success, washing London off my face tonight. 
leading with your very fine advice. Thank you for having me. I feel very humbled compared to the other guests you've had on. I do. I was like, oh, my gosh. (laughs) (laughs) We like to make sure we are absolutely talking to entrepreneurs who are making change right through to the biggest badass board members. So you're absolutely a fit for that. And uh, thanks for coming in. Thank you. You've been listening to the Work and With podcast series. You can find us on iTunes. 